Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Lent, it's a word that means spring, and it's also the name of the season on the Christian calendar that spans the 40 days that precedes Holy Week and Easter. As such, it is an invitation to 40 days of spiritual renewal, 40 days to prepare ourselves to take in the good news of Easter through spiritual disciplines of prayer and reflection, along at times with things like fasting, almsgiving, and other acts of self-sacrifice. Most of all, however, Lent is a time for us to consider not only our own sin and mortality, but also our redemption at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about today, which is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. This message is based on stories from Genesis chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4, and it's entitled, Life Between Two Rivers. And so now, the journey begins. As you well know, I have long been fond of referring to the season of Lent as a journey. But the question is, what do I actually mean by that? Well, let me just say right off the bat, that's a very good question. And I can actually give you a couple of answers to that. First off, since in these next six weeks leading up to the celebration of Easter, we in the church spend time recalling the events leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, the season of Lent serves as a reminder of the actual physical journey that Jesus made to Jerusalem and to all that awaited him there. From triumphal entry to betrayal and denial to mocking and scourging and then suffering and death. So this Lenten journey of which we speak is most definitely the journey of our Lord, but it's also, I want to add here, our journey as well. For as I am also fond of saying, you and I cannot truly come to the joy of Easter's resurrection without having first experienced in some fashion the agony of Good Friday's crucifixion taking up our own crosses as we follow Jesus unto the cross of Golgotha. Now, obviously, for you and for me, it's not a physical journey, but it is a journey of the Spirit, a pilgrimage of faith, and a pilgrimage of remembrance of how Jesus, our Savior, has already taken the journey for us. It's an all-important affirmation that he carried all of our sin and our weakness upon his own shoulders, even unto death, and did so willingly and in infinite love. In the words of the late Orthodox theologian Alexander Shaman, ours is a journey, quote, of rediscovery of what we were made through our own death and our resurrection through our baptism in Jesus Christ. In other words, this is a journey centered on re-identifying and revitalizing our identity with Jesus Christ and doing so one day, one week, one step at a time. Shaman describes it this way. 
as we make the first step into what he calls the bright sadness of Lent, we see far, far away its destination. It is the joy of Easter. It is the entrance into the glory of the kingdom. And it is this vision, this foretaste of Easter, that makes Lent's sadness bright and our efforts along the way a spiritual spring. The night might be hard, dark and long, Shaman concluded, but all along the way a mysterious and radiant dawn seems to shine on the horizon. Now, I speak about all this today because it occurs to me that many of the scriptural themes we address along the way of our journey through this spiritual spring are, for lack of a better word, kind of heavy, right? And it represents a, a rather sudden shift in emphasis. I mean, up till now in this Christian year, in and through the seasons first of Advent, then Christmas, and then Epiphany, we have been building on scriptural themes of light, light bursting forth into the darkness of this world, divine promises of unending hope, and, and even joy breaking into our lives amid the very challenges of these strange and uncertain days in which we dwell. I have to say that for me as a preacher, and I hope for you as a listener, there's a spiritual vitality about all of what we've been talking about that can't help but resonate in our hearts. But now, seemingly all of a sudden, the season of Epiphany comes to a close, and the season of Lent begins. And what's the first thing we encounter in our reading of Scripture? What is the inaugural spiritual truth awaiting us as we take these first few steps on this Lenten journey? That's right. Original sin. Original sin. As described in the story of the fall of Adam and Eve and their expulsion from paradise. Oh, and also, if that weren't enough, we had a second reading today that you heard, and it's that little matter of our temptation to sin, as described in the story of Jesus' 40 days spent in the wilderness. I know. After... Advent and Christmas and Epiphany, you know, this kind of ruins the mood, does it not? It's not exactly the most in uplifting of sermon topics either. But you see, they're important stories. Because in those two stories, the, the story of Adam and Eve and the expulsion from the Garden of Eden and the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, in those two stories lay an essential truth. The truth that this is who we are. And if we're going to talk about sin and redemption, if we're going to talk about this journey to the cross and, and even begin to understand the reasons that Jesus went to the cross to die, if we are going to burst forth with our alleluias on Easter a few weeks from now, then it's going to need to start first with a simple and yet all too difficult acknowledgement that we are the sinners for whom Jesus died. Without that very basic confession, friends, all the epiphanies that have been revealed to us in Christmas light, they're meaningless. And the Easter hymns of victory that we're going to be singing six Sundays from now will not help but ring hollow. 
Granted, it's not easy for us to hear that familiar story of the fall of Adam and Eve and to recognize ourselves as the ones who have fallen. Much easier and more convenient, quite frankly, to hear this story in the context of the Genesis creation story, to to think of it as merely the beginning of a longer biblical narrative about the relationship between God and God's people. But see, what we have in this text goes beyond that. It's a text that hits very close to home in the example of people who are given the opportunity in every possible resource to to live in faithful covenant with God, and yet who inevitably turn away from God and do so at the earliest opportunity. And moreover, they do it again and again and again. If we're being honest, that happens more often than we are willing to admit to ourselves. Bottom line, we don't like to picture ourselves as the kind of people who try quite often automatically and unknowingly to live by our own rule, as if God had no real hold on our lives. And yet, there we all are. Likewise, I know, it's, it's more than a little uncomfortable hearing of, of Jesus' strength against the same kinds of temptation that you and I might well suspect deep down that if it had been us, we'd been unable to resist. Think about this. What were the temptations that the devil set before Jesus anyway? When you break it down, it comes down really to the basic temptations of human life. First, it was sustenance represented as bread in the face of hunger. Second, it was acceptance. By jumping from the top of the temple and having the angels lift him up in the sight of all people, the result would have been that immediately would Jesus would be recognized as the true Messiah. And, and really, isn't that what so many of us yearn for? The, the feeling of, of being recognized and accepted and loved? And then thirdly, it was power. Power personified in the tempter's offer of all the kingdoms in the world and their splendor. Sustenance and acceptance and power. These were the three different ways that the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And really, they are the three major temptations of our own lives. Now, I should point out here that on the face of it, Those three things don't sound all that simple. After all, sustenance keeps us strong. Acceptance brings us love, and power, properly yielded, protects us. But you see, when sustenance becomes avarice, when acceptance becomes self-adoration, and when power breeds corruption, well, let's face it, at that moment, we're all back at the Garden of Eden, and the original sin of desiring to be more like God than God. That's what the tempter was tempting. That's what we read in Matthew's version of this gospel story. But what we also read is that Jesus, fully God and yet fully human, chose not to sin. (laughs) Oh, that we could say the same in our own lives. Once again, as I said before, there we are.
As I said before, this is not an easy truth to confront. I'm reminded here of a seminary classmate who was serving as a student pastor of a small congregation out in the backwoods of western Maine. His name was Neil, and in fact, Neil had only been at this church for a few weeks when the season of Lent had begun, and when the scripture readings for that particular Sunday were basically the same ones that we're looking at today. I'll never forget it. A bunch of us were in the cafeteria at the seminary doing a post-mortem of sorts on our sermons that Sunday, as we often did. And Neil confessed that that sermon the previous Sunday had been one of the most difficult times he'd yet experienced as a preacher. I just kept looking out into that congregation and all those sweet elderly ladies who were smiling back at me, he said. All these pillars of the church who always were complimentary, who always so so very kind to me, who regularly baked me casseroles and made cookies for me. And here I was, standing in the pulpit and preaching this sermon where I was supposed to look them squarely in the eyes at all these lovely ladies and tell them that they were all nothing but sinners. And we all nodded our heads. (laughs) Because we'd all pretty much had the same experience. Hey, I'm having the same experience right now, and I can't even see you at the moment. But that's who we are. And needless to say, that's who I am. The fact is, beloved, I am a sinner. God help me, I am a sinner. And understand me when I say to you this morning that you are all sinners as well. Trust me, I don't like saying it about you any more than I want to say it about me. But that's who we are. It's simply a truth of our human existence. It's permeated into our common experience. And it's been there since the time of humanity's fall from grace. Recognizing this truth in ourselves is akin to walking on a journey of darkness and despair. But here's the thing. Remember what we were saying earlier about this journey being one of bright sadness? About looking to the horizon and sensing a mysterious and radiant dawn? That's the other part of this spiritual truth that we encounter on this journey. The effect of limitless grace, of divine love coming into our human life, our lives, yours and mine. Yes, speaking biblically, stating it theologically, friends, we do have an identity with the fallen Adam in our bondage to sin. But we also have an identity with Christ. Christ who is the new Adam. Christ, who is the one who overcomes sin and leads us to become a new creation. Christ, who brings redemption and who sets us forth on a new life in which sin who has no power over us. A new life in which Christ gives us mercy, forgiveness, and love. Gifts that inform us and guide us along every fresh step we take along the way. And the incredibly wondrous thing about all of this 
is that in Christ, if we stumble as before, <coughs> and trust me here, friends, we will stumble. Make no mistake. It's like what I like to tell children in children's sermon. You know what, kids? You're good sometimes, and you're bad sometimes. And you try real hard to be good, but at the end of the day, you're going to be good sometimes and bad sometimes. And we will stumble. But now you see, instead of our spiraling endlessly down to hopelessness and death, here comes Jesus to willingly take that burden of sin off of our shoulders. Here comes Jesus to carry our sin as his own. It is a gift of divine salvation that was bestowed upon us on the cross nearly two millennia ago. And yet it's still happening even now. It's given every time we lay the burden of our sin before the Lord. Yes, we are each and all sinners. You and me. But by grace we are saved and set forth again on the pilgrimage of life and living. What does this mean for us as we start out on another Lenten journey to say nothing about how we start out again on the journey of life? I love what Lawrence Holstucki wrote in response to this. He spoke of life as a pilgrimage that we need not fear. You and I, he wrote, Walk in the land between the river of Eden and the river of the eternal city of God. Once we're headed in the right direction, there is no cause for ultimate anxiety. And if along the way we are caught without an umbrella in a sudden shower, even then, particularly then, we remember our baptism in Christ and we are thankful. My dear friends, in these days of Lent, as in all of life, we dwell in this land between two rivers. Our movement in our lives involves moving from the one river where there exists self-centeredness, sin and isolation, to the other river that runs clear and cool with fulfillment and faith and the very embodiment of God's vision and intention for us. Along the way, we stumble and fall. We quite often take one step back for every two along. And sometimes we might lose a little ground and we stall out from time to time. Or, you know, we might find ourselves obsessively running around in circles, getting nowhere at all. It's a long way to go. And the journey is arduous at best. But the glory of our faith as Christians, beloved, is that we do not make this journey alone, but ever and always in fellowship with Christ. We just keep walking with Christ's help, even amidst the bright sadness, and eventually, and certainly, we arrive at the banks of the river of the city of God, experiencing the wonder and the glory of God's promised kingdom in Jesus Christ. And so now the journey begins again. And let us start walking 
let's start walking knowing that the destination will be well worth the effort. And with every step, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Life Between Two Rivers. It was recorded as part of our February the 21st online service of worship at East Church, to which, by the way, you are always invited to join us live each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. In these continuing days of pandemic, these services have proven to us to be the next best thing to being there. And we'd love it if you could be with us and if you could share in our Lenten journey. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.